0: Anybody know who Elimelech is in the Bible? Anybody ever heard of Elimelech? What about about Malon or Kilion? What about Boaz? Anybody remember Boaz? Okay, you guys know Boaz. All right, good. Ruth, chapter 1. In the days... When the judges ruled in Israel, if you're not familiar with the Bible, right before Ruth, there's a whole book on judges. They were the rulers before we had kings in Israel. In the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, this is an Israelite, one of God's people, he left his home home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Malon and Kilion. They they were Ephrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah, and when they reached Moab, they settled there. When they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Elimelech died. They settled, he died. That's it, right there. And Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah and the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Malon and Kileon died. This left Naomi alone without her two sons or her husband. I, I used to read this story and think, oh yeah, I mean, people die. That's part of life. That wasn't what was supposed to happen. To those three. But when you step outside of the call and the placement God has put on your life, you step outside of His protection, His provision, His power. When you step outside of the call and the placement that God has put on your life, you are stepping outside of His protection. Provision and power. They stepped outside of the land that God had set aside and designated for them. Elimelech, he died. Like when they settled, he died. God then gave his two sons 10 years, 10 years to make the mistake his father had made in leaving their land. To make it right, but they never returned home. They stayed where they were at. So some of us we we, we hear that and we're think, what's the big deal? People move all the time, and, and it wasn't that far. It was about thirty miles. I drove about thirty miles all across Omaha yesterday, going dropping off kids for parties and doing setup for church. I mean, I, I drove thirty miles. No big deal. I mean, for them, it was a little bit of a big deal. You know, horses, donkeys, they don't go quite as fast, all right? But it was about a 7 to 10-day trip, 30 miles. And we think, well, why is that such a big deal? But we have to remember where they came from and where God had placed them, where he had put them, and that he had put them there for a reason go back to Deuteronomy. All these Israelites, they would have been familiar with these words, the words that Moses had written down for the people. They would have been read constantly. They would have been heard wherever they went. Every time you would go to worship, you would go back and you would remember these words that the Lord had given Moses on the mountain. Deuteronomy 7.22, the Lord your God will drive those nations out ahead of you little by little. That was what God did with the promised land. He was driving the other nations out ahead of them little by little. You will not clear them away all at once, otherwise the wild animals would multiply too quickly for you. Sometimes we, we, uh, we want God to do something fast, and we want Him to do it right now, like right away. Sometimes there's a reason He doesn't do it as fast or as quick as we want it just so you know. Like, I'm sure they wanted to just go right into the promised land. He was doing them a favor by not letting them run into the promised land right away. If they had just gone in right away, if he had driven out everybody right away, all the wild animals would have multiplied too quickly. They would have overran everything in the land. So so this is just for each and every one of us in here that's been praying for something to happen, and, and we're a little upset, we're a little uptight, we're a little angry, we're a little frustrated that we haven't seen God answer it yet in our lives. Sit back and trust him in this moment that his timing is better than yours. Sit back and believe that and receive that today. His timing is better. Deuteronomy 8.3. Let's keep going through this. Yes, he humbled you by letting you go hungry and then feeding you with manna, a food previously unknown to you and your ancestors. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone, rather we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So even in a famine season, even when you're hungry, even when you're starving, even when it feels like the provision that you need isn't there, trust in him, trust in his word and what he's called you to in life. Deuteronomy 11, 12 through 15 this is about the land that he was opening up. They, they had been freed from slavery in Egypt, and they were getting ready, preparing to enter into the promised land. Deuteronomy 11, 12 through 15. A land that, your, that the Lord your God cares for. He watches over it through each season of the year. Even in a famine season, he is still watching over them. Elimelech knew these words. He didn't trust them. A land the Lord your God cares for. He had placed them in this land. He cared for them. He cared for this land. He is Yahweh. He is provider. He watches over it through each season of the year, even the dry seasons. If you're in a season right now where it feels like he's far from you, where you feel like you're in a drought, you feel like I mean you feel like there is no hope, no sign and you're ready to quit, he is still watching over you. Do not move until he tells you to move. If you carefully obey the commands I am giving you today and if you love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and soul, then he will send the rains in their proper seasons. The early and the late rains, so you can bring in your harvest of grain, new wine, and olive oil. He will give you lush pasture land for your livestock, and you yourselves will have all you want to eat. Elimelech knew these words, but he didn't hold hold on to these words during the famine. If you're in a famine, if you're in a drought spiritually, if you're in a drought in some area of your life relationally where you just don't see the hope, you don't see the provision, it's really easy to start looking around at the world and say, man, the world's got some good options. The world's got some good opportunities for me to, to numb this pain, to take care of what I'm dealing with, and, and to do it on my own. Because holding on to God's word, treasuring it in my heart, that doesn't seem to be working for me right now in this season. I know what God's word says, but I can see what's out in the world, and I want what's out in the world. Elimelech knew what God's word said, but he saw and he heard what was going on in Moab. He heard there was rain. He heard there was food. He heard there was provision. And eventually that won him over from what God's word had said. He went searching to make his own way. When we're in a famine, the temptation is there. The enemy is whispering constantly, God can't provide for you. He's not going to come through in this season. Everything you've been searching for, everything you've been praying for, everything you've been looking for, God's not bringing it. God's not doing it. You need to go somewhere else. You need to move. You need to leave this place. But you know that God had told you long ago, this is where he's called you. You need to go back to that first calling on your life, that first moment when the Holy Spirit spoke to you, when you felt that piercing conviction cut right through you, and you knew that's God. That's nothing else in this world. His voice, His touch, His Spirit, it pierces through, and there's nothing in this world that matches it. And you might be in a dry season where you haven't heard him, you haven't experienced him, you haven't felt that touch in a long time. I would tell you, go back to that moment and remember what he told you. Remember what he spoke to you. Go back to his word and remember the promises he's given you. And hold on to those during the drought. Hold on to those during the famine. It's hard. I know. I know. There's so many times I know what God has said and I know what he's shown me and and, and even with this church, there's moments I, I can just see what he showed me years ago and I keep thinking, we're not there yet. And the enemy keeps whispering, just quit. It doesn't look how you want it to do. It's not as easy as you thought it'd be. It doesn't match up to everything that all these other people had these expectations for and that's the enemy. And I keep going back and I keep holding on to that first word he spoke to me. And I keep going back and holding on to who he is. And I keep going back these last few weeks and looking at this story. And I'm reminded, I don't want to be a Limelech. I want to be Boaz. Do you know the story? It's incredible. A, a- Limelech, he left. And then his sons, they became the head of the family. They were, they were the males and they were married, and they could have said at any point, let's go back, let's go home. They never did. They stayed where their father had led them. After they died, verse 6, Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had blessed his people in Judah by giving them good crops again. So Naomi and her daughters-in-law got ready to leave Moab to return to her homeland. With her two daughters-in-law, she set out from the place where she had been living and they took the road that would lead them back to Judah. They took the road back to Judah. I love this. For us today, the road back to Judah, the road back to the lion, the lion of Judah, Jesus Christ, it's the road of repentance. It's the road of changing our mind to align with His Word because we have been seeking after what the world says and finally we know and we looked and we searched and we tried finding what we wanted out there, but what did it leave us with? Nothing. That's what Naomi found. Everything that they had been looking for in Moab, all they found was death and heartache. They didn't find the promises of God there. They didn't find God's power. They didn't find God's protection. They didn't find his provision. No, when they left and they let go of what God's word said and they went after what the world was offering, no, it left her alone with three caskets in Moab. So she took the road back to Judah. It was time to go back to the Father's house. If you're here today and that's you, you can come back. You can always come back. That's the promise. That's what he's offered. That's why Jesus came. Change your mind to align with God's word. That's what repentance is. Sometimes we hear repentance and we're offended. Like, don't tell me to repent. No, no, God is just telling you to change your mind. That's, That's what repentance is, to change your mind, to let it be renewed, transformed, to come into alignment with his word because his word is better than the world. That is what repentance is. It is turning from what the world says and what the world tells you to believe to trusting and believing and following what his word says. That's what she did. She got back on the road to Judah. But on the way, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go back, to your, go back to your mother's homes and may the Lord reward you for your kindness to your husbands and to me. May the Lord bless you with the security of another marriage. And then she kissed them goodbye and they all broke down and wept. No, they said, we want to go with you to your people. But Naomi replied, why should you go on with me? Can I still give birth to other sons who could grow up to be your husbands? No, my daughters, return to your parents' homes, for I am too old to marry again. And even if it were possible, and I were to get married tonight and bear sons, then what? Would you wait for them to grow up and refuse to marry someone else? No, of course not, my daughters. Things are far more bitter for me than for you, because the Lord himself has raised his fist against me. And again, they wept together, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung tightly to Naomi. Look, Naomi, look, Naomi said to her, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. You should do the same. That's really what it comes down to for these people. When they left that land, they were saying, I I don't trust Yahweh. I don't trust our God. I don't trust where he's placed us. There's other gods over here. I'm going to go see what they have to offer. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. When Naomi saw that Ruth was determined to go with her, she said nothing more. So the two of them continued on their journey. When they came to Bethlehem, the entire town was excited by their arrival. Is it really Naomi? The women said, don't call me Naomi, she responded. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter for me. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? The Lord never moved. Sometimes in these seasons when we're struggling with God, it's really easy to become Naomi. It's really easy to move from Naomi to Mara and say, He's made my life bitter. I went away full, I had everything, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? He never moved. She moved. Her family moved. But this is his grace. Because Elimelech was the leader of that family. When he said to move to Moab, she did what she was supposed to do as a wife. And she agreed. She went, yes, let's go. And she supported her husband in that decision. But God gives her a chance now to make things right because her sons didn't make it right. Her husband didn't make it right. None of them returned when it was clear they should have gone home and trusted in the Lord Yahweh. But he gave her a chance and she returns home. And she finds blessing here. Throughout the rest of the story, she finds protection. She finds provision. She sees God's power and hand at work in her life. And let me tell you something. She never returned home empty. She believed she returned home empty, but she came home with a daughter, with a daughter that would be used to bring about the lineage of the King David, that would bring about the lineage of the Lion of Judah, our King Jesus. She didn't come home empty. She came home better than how she left. When you come home, when you repent, when you turn back to him, he turns things around better than you could have ever done on your own, out there on your own. She didn't return empty. She returned full. When you go back through Deuteronomy, you see it again and again. God had warned these people. Deuteronomy 11:22, be careful to obey all these commands I'm giving you. Show love to the Lord your God by walking in his ways, holding tightly to them. Deuteronomy 11:26, look today I am giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. We have a choice. They chose to step outside of the blessing. They chose to step into trust in Moab and their gods. It was their choice, blessing or the curse. Deuteronomy 12, 14, you may do so only at the place the Lord will choose within one of your tribal territories. There you must offer your burnt offerings and do everything I command you. He had established places in the land he had given them to worship. Deuteronomy 12, 31, You must not worship the Lord your God the way the other nations worship their gods, for they perform for their gods every detestable act that the Lord hates. They even burn their sons and daughters as sacrifices to their gods. This was the choice Elimelech had made. This was what he took his family into These were the gods they chose to go and put their trust in. And these were the gods his sons continued to put their trust in for 10 years. And it wasn't until they had died off that finally Naomi said, it's time to go home to Yahweh. It's time to go home. There's so much in our life that we look at and we say, God, why did you do this? Why did you cause this? What did, what were you, why would you do that to me? Do you, do you hate me? Are you mad at me, God? Are you angry at me? What, what is going on? And, and so much of it, if we would just stop and realize what God's word actually says, most of what happens in our life that hurts or stings or makes us bitter or angry towards him Most of it is because we chose to step outside of relationship to him. We chose to step out of obedience to his voice and to his word. We brought it on ourselves. But he's offered us repentance. He's offered us a road back through his son Jesus. Jesus. You can see it all throughout Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy seven thirty two seven through nine. Remember the days of long ago. Think about the generations past. Ask your father and he will inform you. Inquire of your elders and they will tell you when the Most High assigned lands to the nations, when he divided up the human race, he established the boundaries of the peoples according to the number in his heavenly court. For the people of Israel belong to the Lord Jacob, his special possession. Limelech stepped outside the boundary the Lord had established. If you're suffering, if you're sick, if something's going wrong, if it seems like everything has falling down around you right now, instead of blaming God, instead of being mad or bitter or angry at him, I would just challenge us as a church to sit and open up his word, to open up our hearts And ask him, is there any area I've stepped outside of the boundaries you've set for my life? Because that's what his word is. It's protection. His word is a boundary for our life. It's not a burden. He's shown us that his way, when you walk inside and align with his word, it's better because there's blessing inside of it. And when you step outside of those boundaries that his word has given us, There's only bitterness and death and sickness that follow. His word is not a burden, it's a blessing. It's a boundary to protect us, not hold us back. Elimelech stepped outside of the boundaries. He stepped outside of the protection and the provision and God's power. Deuteronomy 32, 31 through 33, but the rock of our enemies is not like our rock, as as even they recognize. Their vine grows from the vine of Sodom, from the vineyards of Gomorrah. Their grapes are poison and their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the venom of serpents, the deadly poison of cobras. They went to Moab looking for provision and it was there. They had food, they had all these other things, but it wasn't from God. It was full of bitterness and poison. Deuteronomy 32, 44 through 47, So Moses came with Joshua, son of Nun, and recited all the words of this song to the people. Sometime today, just open up Deuteronomy 32 and read through the entire thing. It's beautiful. When Moses had finished reciting all these words to the people of Israel, he added, Take to heart all the words of warning I've given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children so they will obey Every word of these instructions. These instructions are not empty words. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. Naomi's daughter, Ruth, she ends up finding this guy, Boaz. Boaz. And Boaz, he took Ruth into his home, it says, in chapter 4, verse 13, and she became his wife. When he slept with her, the Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. This is God's power right here. This is just coming to me right now. I didn't even catch this before. This girl, Ruth, she was married. She was married to Malon and Killian. Ten years they were married and they had no kids. She steps back into the land. She steps back into the land that God had set aside for Naomi's family, for the Israelites. And God says to this Moabite woman, I'm going to bless you and I'm going to use you to bring about my son. That's a miraculous conception right there. She steps back into the land and God shows us it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a Moabite, Ammonite, whoever. If you worship the Father, that's what matters. If you worship Yahweh, the name above all names, the Lord above all lords, wow, he doesn't care who you are. Sometimes we get caught up in that and we think, oh, I, that's not the right background. I'm not the right person. I, he can't use me. But he adopts this Moabite woman into the family, into the lineage of Jesus in this moment. And where she had been barren, he brought the miracle of life. Then the women of the town said to Naomi, praise the Lord who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. She didn't come back empty. She came back with a new blessing. When you step back into obedience, there is blessing that follows. Naomi tucked the baby and cuddled him to her breast, and she cared for him as if she were her own. The neighbor women said, now at last, Naomi has a son again, and they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. From there, we know we get the line of Jesus. Worship team, I'm going to invite you back up as we close out here. Where Elimelech had left, Boaz had stayed. Boaz was there that whole time. He fought through every season because this is the place God had called him to. And there was a blessing for staying, even during the famine, even during the drought, even during those hard times. There was a blessing that followed. It would have been easy to leave. But nobody remembers Elimelech. Nobody remembers Malon or Kilion. But we recognize the name of Boaz. We recognize the name of Ruth, who left her friends, who left her family, who left her gods, and followed Naomi back on the road to Judah. She was a Moabite, but it doesn't matter who you are, what your race is, your nationality, doesn't matter what your background is. All that matters is who you worship. That's what God cares about. He doesn't care. We get caught up in all these things, white, black, brown, Asian, Mexican, English, Scottish. We think these things make us who we are, that they give us value, that they give us our worth. All that matters is who you worship. We're united and we're one because of who we worship. Do you worship yourself or do you worship him? Do you worship your identity, your heritage, your family, your friends, your tribe? Because all of that is meaningless. All that matters is who we worship. When we worship, we go to war. We bring war to the enemy today in a new territory, in a new place We bring warfare to a place he wants to settle into. He wants to get comfortable in this place, to take a foothold, to build a stronghold, to become a king of a people. But worship brings warfare for Yahweh. Today we pitch a tent to the Lord our God. He's here to take back territory, and he doesn't care about the land. He cares about the people in this land. He's coming for hearts in this area. He's opened up a door for us for a season, and we don't know what that looks like. But in this season that we're here, we're going to worship the Lord our God. And he's going to bring warfare into this territory against the powers and principalities at work. Today, we stop running and chasing after everything the world says, everything the world offers. We're not going to be a We're not going to be Malon or Kilion. We're going to chase after the life that Boaz showed us, to stand strong and to wait patiently for the Lord to bring the rain, for him to bring the harvest, for him to bring provision, protection, and power. Dry seasons aren't forever. You might be in a dry season right now. And it feels hopeless. But I'm telling you, keep your feet planted and your eyes set on the sky before you because there's a cloud coming. Don't go running to find what God is gonna bring you if you stay planted in his house. Because the grass isn't greener on the other side. Elimelech, he found rain and crops, but he also found death and the death of his sons. And his name was cut off. And Boaz's name was established. God wants to establish you. But you've got to stand strong where He's called you and where He's placed you. Some of you, you're in a dry season in your relationship with your husband and your wife right now, and you're looking out over the land, and all you see is desert. And you've heard rumors of people who are happy filled with joy, eating, celebrating, just like Elimelech heard these rumors about Moab. And it's a short journey. It's just 5, 10, 15, 20 feet away in your office to see that girl you work with that laughs at all your stupid jokes, to see that guy that compliments you every day when you walk into the office. And I'm telling you, the enemy wants you to leave, but God is telling you, stay planted. Even in the dry season, Stay planted. He's called you here for a reason and a purpose to establish a line, to raise up generations that will worship Him and won't follow after the lies of the world. The devil wants you to move, and God wants you to stay planted in His house. He wants you out of the church, He wants you hopping from place to place, He wants you disconnected and far from where He's called you to stay planted. Don't chase after the clouds because God's going to bring them to you. He's going to bring rain.